In this episode of the Crumpled Papers podcast, I am joined by the founder and owner of the online community, Christians Who Curse Sometimes, as we talk about all things Christian culture, the pursuit of perfection, and the value of vulnerability and authenticity in contemporary Christian churches. This week's conversation is based around the topics and themes in chapter two of my book, A Jumble of Crumpled Papers. If you haven't read the book yet, I highly recommend picking up a copy so you can follow along. The best way to approach this podcast is by having the chapter read before listening to the corresponding podcast episode. The link to buy the book is in the description below. If you're a first-time listener, I would encourage you to go back and listen to our intro episode, episode zero, to get brought up to speed on what this podcast is all about. But without further ado, enjoy the episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Crumpled Papers podcast. My name is Austin Knoll, and... If you consider yourself an active participant in the world of Christian social media accounts, whether it be meme accounts or other Christian community pages, there's a chance you may be familiar with my guest today. On this episode, I'm joined by the owner of the online platform, Christians Who Curse Sometimes, or CWCS. Thank you so much for being here today. How are you doing? I'm I'm so excited to be here and I have to give you some credit because not many people are willing to put themselves out there the way that you are and you were so cool to I, I mean you just came to me and you yeah. said like hey I wrote this book I want you to read it I, I and you just sent it to me and you were so like great about putting yourself out there and not being afraid to to take a risk and I think that's such an awesome trait because oh, I, I yeah. hear well because I hear so many people share their stories with me they're like I have an idea for a book or I have an idea for this or whatever yeah. but they're not willing to do it and if they do they're not willing to put themselves out there with it so I think sure. it's so cool that you you know messaged me and just kind of put it out there and said hey I don't know if this is good or not but I wrote this thing and here you go let me know what you think oh man I appreciate it. that's awesome I, I and I love that that um it was received well with with we'll get into this a little bit later but your page is pretty popular and I, you, you mentioned this a lot on your page that you can't get to everyone when they send you DMs and stuff, but I appreciate that I sent this out there knowing you might not get a response and not being, being fine with that, but then getting a great response and you being supportive of it. And so I appreciate the whole, the whole thing. It's been great. Well, I think because the, the, the thing that grabbed my attention is I think the message that I'm trying to put out there aligns yeah. really closely with, with how you're feeling and what you've been through in your life. So I think that grabbed my attention and to see people kind of sharing that message of it's okay to change your mind, it's okay yes. to move on, is something that you don't hear from a lot of people in Christian faith. So to see that from somebody, I'll do anything I can to help promote it. And that is one of the primary reasons that I wanted you as a guest on this. And we'll see why as in this conversation, we have very, your page and yourself, the, the things you want to say are very, very in line with the same things that I've experienced and want to say too. So that is very, a very nice synergy there. So um, b- before we get into anything else, I, I want to ask, or I want to state the obvious maybe is I didn't, I didn't give you a name. <laughs> I called you, I called you CWCS owner. Um, and that is because, uh, at least for the community that you've grown, uh, they don't know it. You're a mystery. You're a mystery anonymous person. Why? When did you decide this? And, and was it from day one? And, and why? So p- people love to give me more credit than is actually out there. They're like, sure. oh my gosh, what was the inspiration for your page? How much work did yeah. it take? 
And it, it was literally nothing like that. I was sitting at my old job and I thought of the idea. And I, basically I saw all the, all the other Christian meme pages out there. And I was like, these aren't that funny. And like, you know, <laughs> the, well, the, the traditional example I yeah. like to was I would see a meme where it was like an Olympic runner and it would say like running towards God. Like, and I'm like, that is not what the Christian walk is like. It's not yeah. all victories. It's not all easy. It's not all. And I was like, I wish someone would just make a page that talks about like the gritty realness of what it's like to be a Christian. So I was like, and still be I, funny. Exactly. Exactly. And I was like, th- there is that kind of edgy humor that I think we Christians feel inside, but are afraid to say to other people. And I was like, sure. you know what? I'm just going to say it. So I made the page on a complete whim. I probably thought of the idea like five minutes before I made it. I just made a bunch of awful cringeworthy memes. Like when I look back at this, it was purely a meme page. I did that and everybody hated it. I was trying so Great hard start. to get followers. All I got was people, uh, people hating the name of the page. Okay. And I told my wife about it. I said, hey, listen, I made this page. It's going to be nothing. It's just kind of my way to vent out there. And um, I said, you know, I'm not going to tell anybody that I'm doing it because it's just kind of my thing. And then when I started getting some followers, I got these messages from people saying, you're saying what I've wanted to say for so long, and it makes me feel mm. less alone. And when I heard people say, it makes me feel less alone, I started seeing some importance to what I was doing. It wasn't as frivolous as I thought it was. Um, but the, the crazy thing is I got so discouraged because it wasn't going anywhere. Um, nobody was really caring. I thought the memes were funny, but nobody else did. So yeah. I gave I gave up on it. And you did. I, I, I gave up on it. I probably had 500 followers or something like that. And I don't think I posted on it for four or five, six months. I was like, this was a dumb idea. It was fun. It was silly, but I can move on from it. It was just a weird kind of ho- hobby that I had. Sure. And I would kind of, if I saw something funny, I would make it. Or if I thought of an idea, I'd throw it out there. And then some of the larger pages started seeing what I was doing. And one of them, I want to give him full credit, Petty Christian memes. I don't even know that he still posts very much. He messaged me and said like, dude, your stuff is good. And it was that imposter syndrome that I felt of like, no, it's not. Like, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a comedian. I mean, you can see my face. Not many people have seen my face. I'm just the most boring suburban dad. So I was kind of surprised that people were being impacted by it anyway people started seeing the uniqueness of the message I was putting out there as an Mm. invitation to share their stories with me. So people started saying, I remember the first question I got asked, somebody said, um, what do you think about Christians smoking marijuana? And they said, I'm a Christian. (laughs) I don't know if I can do it. And I feel like you would know these people were afraid to ask their pastors, but Mm -hmm. they were coming to me, which was very sad to me. So what I did was I posted it in my story and I said, I'm not qualified to answer this, but I'll bet people out there are. All these people sent me their responses. I shared them. And then everyone said, do this next, do that. And all of a sudden it just snowballed into what it is today. And, but to, to get back to where your question is, the anonymity stayed there because uh, a a lot of reasons. I never wanted people to assume a bias behind the page. If they knew who I was or knew who I am, or if they knew my political leanings or anything like that, they'd be like, well, you only shared that question because ABC, which we do so easily with so many Christian pages. All the time. Absolutely. There are pages that I know and love that lean conservative or that lean um, liberal. And um, sometimes you don't know, like from what they post, but when they do certain things like, oh, he only did that because he's conservative. He wants to like 
it, or you assume a lot. And I didn't want people to assume that. I wanted the conversation to be free and open. So yeah. unfortunately, it takes a lot of work to be able to keep that anonymity because it's so easy to want the glory and the credit for everything. But I realized like, I don't want that. I, the conversations right. were more important to me. The second reason was because when you talk about such um, controversial topics, it is amazing how angry people get to the point where there's what I considered legitimate threats. And the amazing thing is not most people are not, most people are not crazy. There's about 1% on both sides of the spectrum that are, Mm -hmm. that I would use that word with because of social media and algorithms and all that, all we get fed is stuff that we agree with. So to expose people to viewpoints that are different from theirs, that kind of makes sense is hurtful for people to be challenged in that way because you don't right. want to believe that the other side has truth behind it. When in reality, any controversial issue, the reason it's controversial is likely because there's truth on both sides. You don't have to agree with it, but there's right. truth in there on any controversial issue. Otherwise, it wouldn't be controversial. If I right. told you to look out your window and tell me that the sky is black you know, in, in the middle of the day, you'd say, well, of course it's not. And you wouldn't get angry because you'd say you're the crazy right. one. There's no truth. There's no, it. there's no case to it. There's no argument needed yes. to be said. Right. Exactly. But the second you bring up anything controversial, you know, that there's at least some argument for truth on the other side. Right. And that's where people have a hard time. So that that's really, really, I mean, it, it's kind of what I expected for someone to be anonymous for, but, but very intentionally thought out, like you thought about it more than just, oh, I don't want people to know who I am, which is really interesting. There have been a lot of times where I've considered, and even like my my wife and I have talked, and I've said like maybe I should say who I am, or at least be a little more open. Then there are moments where where someone will see something that I share, be like, "How dare you? Like you're a horrible father. I, like I want to wow. find out where you go to church and tell your pastor that you should yeah. not be a part of that congregation." Like I never talk about where I go to church before that reason yeah. too. But, but they're like, they do these touch, like, I'm going to find you like CPS should know that your kids should be taken. Gosh. Like, you know, yeah. people say those crazy things and I never want my wife or my kids or my church or anything, anyone that I work with to yeah. be held accountable for the decisions and the things that I'm doing for something that I'm passionate about. And, and what a world too. I was thinking what, what a, unfortunate situation it is, especially in, in a spiritual context where, where the people coming to you are, you, you said it kind of, they're more comfortable coming to you, you than, than their pastors and their spiritual communities. And, and I think that anonymity is really, really important because of the fact that, that you can kind of be a, a blank slate that people resonate with from the content you pour out, but they don't need to balance that against who they think you are or who they assume you are. Mm-hmm. Which in many cases, that can throw the up pastor, wall. right? Yeah, throw up a wall for so many people because right. there are people who have traumas in their life who, yeah. you know, have trouble trusting men. There are people sure. who have traumas who have trouble trusting women. And the second they know that, they go, oh, maybe I shouldn't tell this person. But I want to be very clear my goal for this page is to never have another question again. People should be in healthy church situations where they yeah. can go and ask that question that feels crazy to their pastor, to their mentor, to their community. Have that question be okay and accepted and answered. And even if the answer isn't a complete answer to at least not feel like they're crazy for asking it, because I've been asked everything across the spectrum on my page, things things that the average person may consider crazy. And sometimes I laugh at the questions that come in. But then I forget, I was like, there was a point in my life where, where I would have asked something similar, like, you know, there's a lot of new believers who have no idea 
what some things that those of us who grew up in the faith find basic. And I, so I never want to judge somebody for a question that they ask, but at the same time, I hope I don't get questions because it means people are going to the right venues and not feeling shame about it. That's right. Not having to hold on to, you were saying basic level kind of quote unquote questions. It's because for, I mean, I'm sure for most people, it's because they held on to them for a long time when they could have asked in a healthy, uh, healthy, accepting, open conversation, you know, community where you feel like you can be heard. Those questions are asked as soon as they're thought of, right? Because they want to get them answered. And it, it's tough because some of them are, are scary to read. You know, I, I don't want to give the impression out there that I don't take this seriously because one of the things I did when those type of questions started coming in was I consulted a therapist and I basically said, what am I responsible for? And what am I not responsible for? Like, I want to make sure I do this safely. And that's why I generally don't try to help people in, in my DM. Like, I don't, I don't give any advice outside my own life experience. But like the, the example of, of a question that I got fairly recently was from a, a she seemed to be in her early 20s. And she said um, that there was a guy she liked and she really wanted to date him. But she said, the hard thing is we can't date because Christians are not allowed to move out from their parents until they're married. And she said it so clearly. Wow. Like it, yeah. it was a definite thing. She said, like my, my parents and pastors say, I can't move out. So it's really hard to date him. Like, you know, while I'm living with my parents, but I can't move out until I'm married. So yeah. how do you date somebody if you can't move out until you're married? And my gut was like, I want to tell like, it's not like that. But then I think like this, that is her worldview of Christianity based on what's around her. That's who my page is for. I'm not saying that it's right or wrong. No. Her to see that there are people out there who fully, you know, believe in the Bible, who love Christ, who may disagree with her. And I want her to come to the decision for herself, what she feels is biblical. But when I get stuff like that, it's so hard to like, I want to be like, what on earth? Where, it, where does she live? But I have to understand that it's not my responsibility. And that's where yeah. it's really tough. Because we, we all, I mean, every one of us believes things we believe are right and things we believe are wrong. Obviously, people, what people think is right and wrong varies so much. And we can feel that need to, to help this person by giving them what we believe is right. But I think it's such a different thing to give them the, the layout of here's what people believe here's what I believe, here's what I think is right. Like, here's all the options of, of what everyone believes. And here's what I think is right. And here's what this other person may think is right. But ultimately, it's your decision. Here's this information, you decide. What I believe isn't what you have to believe. I may want you to believe it, so I'll, I'll give it to you. But it's ultimately your decision. I fully believe that, that if, if faith were black and white and a list yeah. of very clear rules for everybody to follow, there would yeah. be no need for the Holy Spirit. Like No, the, at all. You know, th- there would be no need for that conviction by the Holy Spirit where it's like some right. people are convicted by things and, and others aren't because of their life experience. And that's one thing about faith that I find so beautiful is it's so personal. It's, it's yes. intimate. And, you know, some things for me um, are easier than, than, than for other people. And sure. um, it, you know, faith loses its beauty when it becomes a list of black and white rules. And that's what I think is incredible about it. And that's why I love embracing those kind of questions. That, and that's exact. I mean, that's what, uh, I mean, as a transitioner, I guess, that, that's exactly that ground that my book tries to cover. And it's exactly the same thing your page tries to cover. I want to read, I, I went onto your website and I, 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 for those of you who don't know, so this is a, 
primarily through Instagram. That's your primary platform, I think, where you have the most community engagement, the most content. You have a website as well that does articles of all, all kinds of stuff from, from pop culture to biblical talks to all kinds of stuff. You have a Facebook page that kind of does the same kind of thing. And I went to your website and I, I want to read this little, uh, little motto. I want to read this, people, because it's, it's very in line with everything. It says, CWCS is a community to expand your faith. We believe it's important for Christians to ask questions and deepen their faith by finding answers that are biblically sound and in line with Christ's teachings. This is a safe place to reconstruct, challenge your faith, and grow in community through sharing stories and finding the links between culture and faith. It's an open, an open ground. Here's everything from all people. Here's what we believe. Here's jokes about it to make it resonate and to be to be relatable and there's truth in that and here's making fun of different aspects of, of christian uh of church culture and lifestyle here's all this and then here's some really thought-provoking questions that you may not have a safe place in your life to ask and here's people's answers i i, I love the the no there's no pointed direction of any kind of perspective or bias except uh, you want to be biblical and follow christ i did an ama recently where people could ask me questions and, and people asked a lot about why I do it. And I think it's yeah. so, like, when you read it back to me, it's, it's good to hear and kind of be reminded about the, the page because, you know, as I've re reflected on it, I think I've realized that this brand and everything I'm doing with it is kind of a love letter to myself and who I was because I'm trying to build what I wish I had. I, I shared this a little bit, you know, when I grew up, I don't even know uh, that I, knowing what was going on personally in my life that I would have considered myself an actual Christian because sure. I think I was just good at pretending. And, you know, I come from a family where we didn't have any black sheep. Everybody in the family was a Christian aunts, yeah. uncles, cousin, everybody on both mm -hmm. sides. And it was just um, this kind of insulated thing. I knew what to say to get the Sunday school teacher off my back. I knew what to say to get the youth leaders off my back. I knew what to say to get the Because you've learned the back. answers. You learn how it works. I know them. And right. unfortunately, that can make you kind of a Christian brat. And that's exactly yeah. what I was. And it's yeah. really hard to think of the things that I said and did at the time, because I shared this too. At that time in my life, I don't even think I read a full book of the Bible. I yeah. was sitting there telling people it's how they should live, telling people all this stuff from an experience that I never had. Unfortunately, that's where people lose their faith because there's so many hypocrites out there. And I was yeah. one of the worst. And um, it's, it's really difficult because I just accepted that, you know, everything that I knew was right and everybody else is wrong. And I would write people off in my head and like, they're just not worth my time, man. I was so bratty. And, um, it was really humbling because what happened was after college, I had gotten a job in a, uh, less, less than Christian atmosphere. On one of the, my first days, somebody came up to me and said, I, I heard you're a Christian. And I said, yeah, and he said, that means you hate gay people, huh? I said, well, oh, God, no. yeah. and well, I, I, I feel like every Christian's kind of experienced that. What I said back to him was, I said, no, I don't. And he said, well, what do you mean? Doesn't, doesn't your Bible say you have to hate gay people? I'm like, no, it doesn't. And they were like, yeah. well, what does it say then? And I went, oh, what does it say? It was really hard to kind of have that mirror held up to myself of, here's your flaw in a public setting with right. somebody who had I not been such a fake probably could right. have evangelized to and um, at least gotten to know better. And all of a sudden 
I look like a fake and I lost out on a potential friendship and all this stuff because all of a sudden I look like a liar. Who wants to be friends with yeah. somebody like that? And I don't care if it's Christian or not. Nobody wants to be friends with somebody who doesn't practice what they preach. It really challenged me. And I, I started like looking back at, at, you know, what I was taught and what the Bible actually says and actually reading it for a change. I wish it had hit me sooner. I would have had better relationships. I would have had better mental health. I would have had better physical health probably because my mental health would have been better. And I feel like everything would have lined up if I had just stopped being so stubborn and thought that I knew everything. Think about it in any other setting. If somebody came up to you and said, hey, have you read the Harry Potter books? They're great. And you said, right. no, I, no, I haven't. What makes them great? You said, well, I don't know. I haven't read it. Right. No, exactly. You, like, okay, you just laughed at that. I just yeah. laughed at it. But, but e- e- even if someone said like, you know, I read half of it, but I didn't finish it. Like even that, I'm like, well, why should I read it then? Why should right. I trust your judgment on that? Like, yeah. it'd be like, well, you know, it, it taught me this great message about, um, about friendship. And I'm like, but you haven't read it. What are you talking about? So it's, it's crazy when you take it and put it to any other book. It's yeah. crazy how much power that loses and how humbling it can be to ourselves. It's, it's such an easy, hypocritical thing that yeah. too many Christians dust under the rug. It's a big, a big statement to say that this book guides my entire life. But I, I read a couple pages here. I know, I know this verse really well. I know this book. But the, that, that book is what I live by. Wow. Mm-hmm. Here's what else I'll say as someone who yeah. kind of went through that and, and ignored it. If you are somebody who has not read the Bible cover to cover and yeah. you've kind of lived a Christian life for a long time, the amazing thing about reading it is it will give you a lot of answers and a lot more questions. Lot of, yes. And that's a great thing. So I mm-hmm. always tell people, if, if you're a highlighter, if, if, if you're whatever, use two highlighters. Use yeah. one for things that you love and encourage you and one for things that you have no idea what they mean or you really need clarification on because it really hurts you, confuses you, mm-hmm. like makes you question. And you, know, you go to your pastor, you go to a mentor or something and say, hey, I don't know what this means. It makes me feel yeah. wrong. Like, you know, I, I just want to know how does this make sense with the Christian faith? Why would God do that? Why would this person do that? Why would God say yeah. that? And the second you start doing that is the second it all starts coming together. When you get into the context of it and and things like that, you know, it's amazing how many things I had heard kind of when I was struggling from people who, you know, were atheists or whatever. And they're like, well, this verse and that verse and that verse. And I I always like like to put it to people this way. If you were to take, let's just say like Toy Story, for example, if I were to to snip the scene where Buzz is or where where Buzz and Woody are yelling at each other and they're fighting and rolling under the car and punching each other. Um, if I were to show that scene to another parent and say, I don't want my kid to see this movie because I don't want them <laughs> doing this because I, I don't want them doing this. And then yeah. be like, well, no, the whole point of the movie is friendship. Like they, they, right. you know, c- come back together and right. hard if they learn so much like, I don't know, I don't like that fighting in there. So I'm just throwing the whole thing out. And it's amazing how you kind of see this huge story of who God is, even there are very tough verses in the Bible that are really hard to swallow when you pull them out themselves. And it can see why a lot of new Christians, even people who have been Christians their whole lives, when someone comes up to them and says, what does this mean? It makes them question because it should. But when you look at it and you're like, oh, the answers are in there. I just had to look for them. (laughs) It's a complete work that acts as a, it has to work as a complete work. There's, there, there are many scriptures were taken by themselves or even a whole patch is, a patch is by itself. It can sound harsh, unloving, condemning, whatever. But, but read through not just the 
the physical space on the page context, but the context of the lens through which it's written by whoever was written and the time it was written for whatever purpose, all of it comes back to grace. All of it comes back to love. All of it comes back to forgiveness. All of it comes back to relationship every time. Even the worst, if, you could, if I asked somebody and they gave me the, 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 the verse they thought was the most geared towards hate and malice and whatever, I, I am fully, not knowing what verse they'd bring up, I am fully convinced that no, put it in its rightful lens and rightful place. It goes back to grace, love, forgiveness. Yep. Like if, if I were to take a snippet from the movie 12 Years a Slave and yeah. be like, this is racist, this movie. Right. And it's, no, it's not. They, you know, it has yeah. racism in it. Right. With the purpose of exposing it as wrong. Right. It's about racism. Yes. Yes. Right. But, but you could snip parts of that movie and edit that movie. Oh, yeah. Racist. Easily. Easily. It, it, it's amazing how like you can do that with almost any movie, any book, anything like that. And the Bible's not exempt. People can do that and they will use it to manipulate in the way anyone will use any other movie or book to manipulate their viewpoint on other people too. All right. So, so that being said, I, I want to, you are on this podcast on episode two, following the, the chapters of my book in order. So you're here for chapter two and chapter two of my book deals all about uh, what I, a, a term that I coined, I think, maybe I didn't, uh, called contemporary Christian culture, or, or CCC, which I define as the accumulation of all of the trends, practices, ideologies, and niche lifestyle and cultural characteristics that are oftentimes more or less exclusive to modern Christianity. And in the book, I elaborate by saying, for, if I was like, to clarify, I was saying that these are things that Christians do, or ways that Christians do things that, that the outsider or onlooker may look at and think is completely out of whack or weird or out of touch, which there are plenty of things that Christians do that are normal, plenty of things that people that are not Christians go and go, why the heck are you doing it that way, right? Mm -hmm. um, and some examples I give for people listening are many churches, weird fixation on having side hugs, uh, <laughs> weird, weird dating rules and regulations, which I know your page has a lot of memes about Christian dating and Christian marriage. Um, modern, especially like younger ministries whole trend with celebrity pastors, um, which has been going on for a long time, but especially with the rise of social media and, and influencers, celebrity pastors, especially young celebrity pastors are, are, an, are a big thing that just are, is a Christian church thing. Uh, Christianese, which if you guys don't know what that is, it's just phrases and terms that may be completely unique words that we made up or maybe words that are in the dictionary, but Christians gave a whole new meaning. Stuff like that. So just niche things that Christians make Christian. CCC, contemporary Christian culture. And if we haven't elaborated on this yet, so, so Christians Who Curse Sometimes, your page kind of has two different facets. One is the permanent page posts, which are pretty much exclusively comedic content, right? Memes, relatable, stuff like that. Uh, TikToks, videos like that. And then you have kind of a whole different life to your page, which is through your Instagram stories, which are the impermanent 24-hour live posts. And those, which I mentioned earlier, revolve almost completely around questions. And asking a question open-ended and then sharing all the, res or not all the responses, but as many responses as you can that represent the differing perspectives and viewpoints people are coming from, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it's very interactive. And I don't, I, I rarely go through my stories and read through all, all stories, people pages, but for yours, when I see those, yours tend to have the longest amount of text on the page, but I'll stop and read them because they're very interesting. They're always thought provoking and they're always really really rich in just 
thought, right? <laughs> so we'll talk about the, uh, the stories themselves a little later, but, but for the actual permanent posts, yeah, you have a lot of memes, comedic content, and it's very clear by how relatable that it is that you, we've already talked about it, you really understand you grew up in the, the, the trenches of just Christian ethos, right? So you, I'm pretty sure I know you understand common Christian culture characteristics. And I want to know, from your, in your opinion and from your own experience, do you have any examples that kind of what I was mentioning of some of the defining or prevalent elements and characteristics of contemporary Christian culture that are either funny or serious that you've either lived or have experienced people on your page or stories? Yeah, I, I think there's, there's a lot because the thing that, um, you know, w- we love to joke about it. We love to make, make fun of it. But the one thing that's at the basis of a lot of relationships, whether it's a friendship, a family or whatever, are shared experiences. Like I would bet, like if, if you and I were, were to go out for a beer and we were to talk about yeah. what it was like to, to grow up Christian, we would have a ton to talk about. And you and I would mm-hmm. feel super close and uncanny similarities yeah exactly absolutely. there's those shared experiences now i'm married to a woman who did not grow up in oh, the okay. evangelical christian kind of world so yeah. there are things that i reference and say even on my page i'll show it to her i'll be like do you find this funny and she's like i don't get it and i'll yeah. be like well no when i grew up everybody did a b c d and she's like okay i guess that's fun like she just doesn't weirdo get it. but when i post those things it's amazing because when you can access those things that people think but don't say or the experiences yeah. that they had that they thought were unique, it makes them feel accepted. It makes them feel yep. like these are my people. And that's why, you know, I got a lot of messages in the beginning saying like, I wish I could meet, you know, a friend from your page because I feel like it would be someone who gets me. And that's like the ultimate compliment because it's like, nobody wants to feel alone. And, um, but when you, when you get into specifics, you know, there's the obvious ones where you get into like veggie tales. Yes. Anybody who grew up between like 1990, when did it come out? Like 95? Like 95, yeah. Even now, like, you know, Mm -hmm. VeggieTales has been around since then. Like, you can reference certain episodes, and all of a sudden, you and that person have a lot to laugh about, talk about, that sort of a thing. But the other huge one is just like dating and marriage, because there are so many things, you know, that are good and bad, like, you know, purity culture. A lot of people went through kind of those harmful messages. I believe a lot of churches did it right, but I believe most did it wrong. And sure. yeah. um, that's a really hard thing to say. And, um, you know, a lot of deconstructionists love to use that as like the silver bullet when it's like, no, a lot of Christians agree with you. I would say most Christians agree with you that Absolutely. it was bad and we need to learn from it and do better moving forward. But when yeah. you get into that, there's a lot of thought process that, processes that come out of it. And I remember one thing when I was in college this is this will kind of date me a little bit because it was before Uh-oh, Instagram no, when when Facebook okay. the before only, Instagram what right? <laughs> when Facebook was the only thing I remember yeah. my guy friends and I were joking and one of them said he found a group on Facebook called um, I can't wait to have super awkward honeymoon sex oh my god yeah Christian and we're like oh my gosh like it was like I had never heard anybody say that kind of thing out loud before yeah. like we're waiting for marriage for to, to have right. sex, but it's like, but then it's probably going to be awkward. You think to yourself in your head and then to have somebody else say it, I'm like, Oh, I'm not the only one who thought that way. And it's almost right. like a relief. So when it comes to dating marriage, especially things that are in the vein of sex, there's yeah. this kind of shame that came out of purity culture where we can think it, but not say it. So mm-hmm. when I take what's being thought and put it out there, it's, crazy the um i like i'll call out people on my page i do a lot of you know sexual jokes about like the wedding night making fun of christian men mostly you know for 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 things on on the wedding night and the funny thing is 
they get shared. Like I can see how many people share it, which means they either, they either post it to their story or they send yeah. it quietly to somebody. The shares are through the roof on that, which tells yep. me people are sending it to either their friend, their spouse, you know, quietly, but they're laughing about it. And that's affirmation to me of like, this is real. People yep. are thinking this and not saying it out loud. But to me, it, it's okay. My rule for my page for all the funny posts is I will post anything as long as I can defend it biblically. So when people yeah. get upset about some of the sexual content, I'm like, open your Bible to Song of Songs. It's nothing yeah. worse in there than this. And no. I'm saying like, no, I'm saying it's 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 within marriage. What's wrong with that? Right. It's real life and it's biblical. That's what that's 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 life. Because I will say something super controversial right now. Do you remember when when WAP was a big song when uh, everyone yeah. was freaking out about all about over the place? Yeah. Yes. A pastor said to me one time, he goes, not saying I agree with this, but I want to challenge your thinking. He said, WAP is a married woman singing about sex with her husband and there's nothing wrong with it. And I went, oh, shoot. Hey, you know, he's not wrong. He he was making a point. Obviously, people struggle. It's a very graphic song. There's a lot of struggle within that song. Absolutely. It does kind of stick in your thinking for a second of like, um, you know, there was a time where Song of Solomon was not allowed to be read by children. Like children yeah. were not allowed to read that portion of the Bible because it's so explicit and and graphic. Sure. But we don't think about that anymore because it's the Bible. You know, so when we have those conversations, it's amazing the stories I've heard of my page who even married couples don't feel comfortable talking about sex with their spouse that they are having sex with because of of the environment that Christians have built. And I don't want to even say that it's an individual church because I think the average Christian, regardless of who you are on the spectrum, knows that there is a shame around sex that the Bible did not put there. And that leads to, I mean, don't want to get into this, but it's the whole slew of just issues in your marriage because you're not used to talking about it before you're married. And there's no, people always say there's no switch that just can be flipped, right? And it's acted as if, oh, you're married. No bars held. Go ahead. Do whatever. Talk about whatever. It's like, wait, what? We weren't trained to be like this. And I, I, I'm not going to give the answer as to how that can be changed, but I'm saying it can't be don't think, don't act, don't talk. And then all of a sudden, oh, the, open the floodgates, right? Yeah, because the, the thing is when you, when you don't talk about it, you know, there are a lot of people, men and women, I don't want to throw this all out because, you know, w- women have a, a really hard time with the message of purity culture, but it doesn't sure. mean that they're the only ones who struggle. A lot of men right. get married and have some sort of sexual struggle, whatever it, it is. Yeah. And um, because they've never talked about it, they don't know how to get help. Like yeah. it's even as simple as, is this a question I can ask my friend, my, my buddy, when we're out for a drink, like my other married friend, can I ask them, him, is this normal? Should I, can I ask my pastor? Should I, can I ask my sibling? Should right. I, can, you know, there, there's some questions are simple, but other questions are deep. And when we don't have any experience talking about it, how do we get help when we need it? And, right. um, it's it, it, and unfortunately that can come out in in a lot of ways. Somebody pointed out to me, it's one of those things that someone pointed out in the Bible, and once I saw it, I couldn't unsee it. David, who has famously struggled sexually in a no. lot of horrible, awful ways, uh, someone pointed out and said David did not start struggling with sexual sin until after his best friend Jonathan died. And it said huh. when he and Jonathan were like it, it you know, it, it described their friendship as so deep and and all this, yeah. that knew everything about each other after Jonathan died is when it starts talking about him struggling. So hmm. 
it, it really goes to the importance of friendships and, you know, having kind of a confidant that you can, you know, open up about everything to. It's just can, a sounding board at the very least. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. I, my hope and prayer out there is that every Christian man and woman has at least somebody out there that they feel fully themselves with, that they know yeah. they can ask a question without being judged because they know that that person's going to love them anyway. And w- when you look at biblical examples of friendship, like David and Jonathan, that's what it looks like b- based right. on what's written. But then after Jonathan passes and all of a sudden he's alone, he really starts struggling. And yeah. it, it's, it's, it's just amazing when we're left defenseless that we can, that everything can come crumbling down, even yeah. though we're, we're, you know, a very Christian person, you know, you go to church, everything can come crumbling down the, the second you're alone. So the purpose in, in, you know, doing the humor post is to make people feel less alone that, and it, it's amazing seeing the friendships that have come through my page from even people just, I've made friendships on that page. Absolutely. Yeah. Have you really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, yeah. It's so cool. I mean, and it's people, like you said earlier, like, you know, people who are on that page most likely share so much of the same background and and, and just experiences. And it's, it's, it, that's just one notch up on the easiness of just becoming friends because you know you have a shared foundation of a lot of things, not just beliefs, but, but also experiences that can be positive or negative, right? Mm-hmm. And everything in between. But, but yeah, that's, 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 and you're just, you're, you're showing that how, 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 effective just simple comedic content can be at presenting and provoking a lot of deeper ideas mm-hmm. and getting people opening the doors to a lot that's, that's movies i'm a filmmaker right i'm a writer C- comedy movies people always say comedy is one of the easiest ways to just really present real ideas because comedy is such an easy way to relate and i think that's that's, that's one of the two lines of, of one of your of your page yeah, um, and and a, a lot of the humor I post might be something that I know is biblical, but I don't yeah. agree with, because sure. the purpose is I want people to talk. I yes. I want to poke the bear a little bit because I want people to say how they're feeling so that people yeah. can see, um, that other opinions are out there. I did something the other day that I knew would would stir the pot. <laughs> I did I did a, a post a while back where it said, um. Is it something about how going to church gives you better mental health and you live longer and you have better sex, all this stuff. And I cited all the studies I knew because obviously I know not 100% of people who go to the church are having a positive experience. I know sure. that. But my purpose in posting that was inviting the stories out there. People saying like, not for me, it yeah. actually really hurt for me. I want people to see those. People were begging me to delete it because they're like, you're exposing people, you know, you're lying with those stats. You're exposing people to these horrible stories. Yeah. Like, nope. I don't care. Like the, the, the stats are there. I understand the difference between correlation and causation. I understand yeah. that I was doing something that was going to cause conversation, but that was the purpose. I wanted to open, I wanted an open dialogue because that leads to growth. Absolutely. So I, I think one of the things about, uh, about, I'm not, I'm not going to generalize, but, but in, in common Christian culture, a lot of, and for years and years and years, a big problem in a lot of churches is the lack of open dialogue and the feeling that everyone thinks the same and there's no room for asking questions that go beyond the prescribed boundaries of what our church believes and what our church teaches, right? Yep. And the thing is with that, 
you can you can count that the majority of people in that church have questions that go beyond those boundaries, but they're too scared to say them, right? And so no one grows. There was one men's Bible study that I recently heard about that uh, a friend of mine went to, where they said um, every time that they got together, they would all you know sit together whenever the Bible study started. They had to go around and say where their faith it feels on a scale of one to ten, and yeah. then they had to use an adjective to to describe their faith in that moment. It's so interesting how something so simple as that can bring yeah. you off that pedestal that you can feel yes. like, like, is it really a 10? But then why right. is it a nine? Why is it a two? And that number can fluctuate. And I think that just opens up that conversation where people can know that you're not okay or know that you're struggling because yeah. you can't get help if you don't give people, if you don't allow people to love you. You know, yeah. you have to share things about yourself if you want people to come in and help you. You can't just expect everybody wants that relationship, that friendship, whatever it is, they want it to come riding in on a horse, like a, like a knight in shining armor and someone yeah. to like pursue them. Even if it's just a friendship, they want someone, I want to be texted all the time and invited to, to go out. And it's like, that, that's not how it is. You have right. to be vulnerable. And that's the purpose in the stories too, is I want to set an expectation that Christians are vulnerable so that yeah. the next time you know, John Smith, who read my story and saw someone being open, that he feels comfortable being open with his small group. That's so great. I mean, and that, that, that kind of goes into to what I'm going to get in here to, with, with the, the kind of the, the less funny, more serious aspects of common Christian culture. And you, we've already touched on it a little bit. And it's drawn from, from my own church experience, which I know is shared by a lot of people. It's this fixation that can happen in a lot of churches on perfection and self-improvement. And I think, especially towards a younger demographic, 30s, 20s, and below, um, because I think a lot of young churches and young people want a communal experience with a goal to chase and things to do. Uh, that's, I mean, college campus culture is people, I, I, I was at UCLA and you walk down the main road and there's 40 booths, each one for a different organization or a group with a cause and a charity and, a, and a, a mission to change the world or whatever. And that, I think, really translates to churches for young people, but then almost just as much for older people in a different context. But people want to feel like what they're a part of is changing the world, which Christianity and the church, I believe, does when it's done right. And what, yeah. one thing that, that I truly believe, if, if anybody is, is in a church that wants to get involved or something, I always tell people, create the ministry that you would have wanted. There was something I struggled with for a long time that, that I felt very alone in. And the humbling thing was, is, um, you know, you can sit and look around your church, look at all the people who are in there. And I thought, I was like, if one of these other people was struggling with the same thing I am, I would yeah. want the opportunity to help them. Like yeah. now that I've overcome it and I was like, I want to help those people, but how on earth am I going to help those people if I don't create a way for them to know that I, like, that's where the openness yeah. can have such a huge impact, whether it's in mentorship, friendship, discipleship, small groups, whatever it is, create and be the person that you needed when you were struggling the most. And sometimes you might be in that moment where you are struggling and you need to look for that person. And that takes yeah. openness and vulnerability too, to say, I need help. I was too stubborn to ask for help. But if some, if I knew that somebody was struggling in the same way I was, I likely may have taken them up on that and went like, I want to hear your story. I want right. to feel less alone. Whatever you're going through, period, yeah. it's almost impossible that you're actually alone in it. 
I mean, knowing, knowing that somebody, and that's the hardest thing is getting to the point where you're actually able to know it's having to be vulnerable, having to be honest, but knowing that someone's going through the same thing you are breaks down so many barriers so fast because you're on the same ground. Now there's no hierarchy. There's no one better or worse than you. You're just the same. It's like that kind of that thing when you're in middle school and you fail a paper and knowing that your friend failed with you may not be the best thing, but knowing that they failed with you, it's suddenly this, this thing. <laughs> okay, I feel so much better that you didn't get an A, but we're both, we both got Ds, but that's okay because we both got it. You know what I mean? For better or worse, that's kind of a metaphor for that. But, and now you've got to work together yeah. to get better. <laughs> exactly. No, exactly. And, and, and you're both unified in that. And when it goes to spiritual context, you're both able to talk about the things, honestly, that you both can grow in. And in that, your relationship grows a lot as well. But that's a perfect world. And I think in, in a lot of Christian churches and, and culture in general, there's this idea that being a Christian makes you a better person because you're held to higher standards. Mm-hmm. And it's this struggle where, where the truth is, I believe, that you, you become, you grow as a person because you know Christ and you know the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit changes you. Knowing Jesus changes you because he changes your heart. And it's not the whole Bible is about, it's, it's not about performance. It's not about what you can do because you can do nothing. God is perfect. You are not. Knowing that is what allows him to change you from the inside out. But so many churches, whether it's because they need, they need to get money to pay their staff, or they want to increase their population, or they want to do all this stuff, they want to plant more churches, or they want to, or in the worst case scenarios, the leaders want to get more power, right? In the worst case scenarios, there is a need to have some kind of performance-based structure where people can become better by doing more, or at least acting like they're better. And an example is in my book, in my church growing up, if you want to get baptized, you, you go through this, this curated uh, series of Bible studies that are different things, kind of getting you the, late, the lowdown of, of what we believe and what the Bible says, whatever, whatever. If you are in the youth ministry, if you're a middle schooler or a high schooler and want to get baptized, before you do the Bible studies, you have to go through what they call character studies, which were basically sit-down talks with whoever, whatever leader was going through these with you, and every week would be dedicated to a different part of your character that they deemed you needed to work on. And it was either, oh, you're too prideful, or you're too greedy or or you need to you're too idealistic with, with video games or or whatever it is they'd be these studies based entirely around parts of you that you need to change in order to get to a place where you were ready to then study the bible and learn about god and get baptized and that mindset starts there and that becomes a thing at least in my church it, it became a thing for for the rest of, of i don't know how long in your, in your spiritual walk it becomes this thing where where, where you're, you're constantly trying to improve yourself to meet some kind of standard, usually for your church, but they pass it off as a standard for God. But um, isn't it amazing how yeah. ineffective that message is when it comes from somebody who is in that yes. place? Like, how dare people tell people what they need to change without being vulnerable themselves? Right. I fully believe the most effective pastors are the ones who are willing to admit where they struggle. Like, I don't, uh, I, I'm, I've never had an addiction to video games, but I know a, a yeah. lot of guys do, but I'm taking your example, if yeah. somebody had told me like, Hey, you really need to get control of, of video games. 
when back, you know, back 10 years ago, I really struggled with video games too. And I saw the harm that it did in my life. And I really sure. don't want to see that happen to you. That is a powerful message. Like pointing the finger at somebody is so easy to dismiss. And, yeah. and that's where that, um, that shame comes along is like, I know yes. it's wrong, but I don't know why. I, I don't know the consequences yet. No one's telling me. I just, people are just telling me this is wrong because the Bible says so. And if you, if it doesn't come from that place of vulnerability, the message becomes completely ineffective. And that's what I was, go- I was getting to was that shame aspect where if you're in a system that, that requires constant self-improvement by, by outward performance and, and, and the, the, the standard is perfection, that's the goal is perfection on your own will. Even though they say it's, it's God changing you, everything around you is structured to be your own efforts are what achieve this self-improvement, right? Because you're expected to be there. And if there's no vulnerability and no honesty where you look around and think, oh, everyone's really better people, it leads to the immediate realization that, oh man, I'm not, why am I not able to do this? Which is what everyone's thinking. Why am I not able to get better? I'm not getting better, but the expectation is that I should be and everyone else seems to be. So I need to act like it, which immediately leads to three or four things. It leads to a culture of inauthenticity. It leads to facades by, by everyone around you. It leads, then it leads to shame and guilt because you feel like you're the person that has to fake it when in reality, most people around you are too because they see that standard. Well, and, and you know what's amazing is, is God set the example of that in the Bible. What I always found interesting is when he was telling, you know, the, the, in the Old Testament, when he would tell the people like, hey, what you're doing is wrong. When, yeah. when he would say that, he wouldn't just point the finger. What he said was, he goes, you know how it feels? It feels like you guys are a prostitute. And he gave this beautiful example that said how God felt. And there's a vulnerability in that where it becomes relatable that um, God just didn't point the finger finger blankly and say, you need to stop doing this because I say so. God said, you need to stop doing this because ultimately it's going to cause your destruction. Ultimately, this is going to cause your downfall. You know, Solomon all those wives that, that, that you want, they're going to end up being the cause of your downfall if you don't stop. And he wasn't, you know, God gave reasons and he gave examples and he gave stories and he gave, you know, Jesus gave parables. Like, it's not that quiet, shameful finger. It's that relatable God that I think is really cool. Like, hey, you know what? I know, I, I know you don't understand what it feels like, so I'm going to tell you what it feels like from my side. And that's yeah. a beautiful thing to see in God. It is. It, it, it's. The fact that Jesus was able to make so many stories and parables out of things we're dealing with shows how relatable it is because fictional stories are being able to be made out of real life struggles that people are going through. And and that's kind of, in a way, it's kind of what what your page and a lot of meme pages do where it's just relatable things that are made into a, a... a more digestible, either comedic or story or fictional route, you know what I mean? Or, or medium. And one thing I wanted to put down, I put a quote down from the book, is kind of what I touched on, but I, I said that God doesn't want our perfection. He wants our heart. And I think that is a key to so much of it. Not only does God want our perfection, but he also wants to know we will never be perfect and wants us to not be perfect. He doesn't want us to be perfect because he wants us to rely on his perfection. He does not want our perfection. So many people, I mean, just recently I talked to somebody and they just casually in a conversation said, Oh yeah, but 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 uh, um, you know we're striving we're striving to be perfect. I, and I was like, no, we're not striving. We're not striving to be perfect because we will never be perfect. We will never even be better on our own power. We have to, God wants us to know we are completely imperfect, 
intentionally made imperfect so that his perfection can complete us and make us better. Isn't it amazing yeah. all the examples we see of that in scripture too? You know, yes, like, all even, the time. Like, God never said David, who's probably the, you know, one of the most recognizable figures in the Bible. Yeah. God never said David was perfect. God described David as a man after God's own heart. That references a yearning more yep. so than a perfection. And that's what I appreciate about that. Nothing about David except his connection to chasing God, right? Nothing about his own power. It's he's after God's heart. All right, so I, I, have, I have two more questions for you. Uh, what, and you, you've, you've kind of already answered this, but uh, in short, why do you think authenticity is so important, especially when it comes to Christianity and church? Authenticity is what is going to ultimately lead to growth, however you define it. I mean, authenticity, like growth doesn't have to be people in seats at a church. Growth for a church can be a community, you know, and when there's authenticity within a community, all of a sudden, as it gets deeper, all of a sudden, as it gets more real, all of a sudden, as you find yourself, you know, having better mental health, better community, better support, better love, you know, all that, that comes out of authenticity. I don't know if there's any good thing that can come from being inauthentic. And I, I, I don't want to say it definitely because I want to give myself the, sure. but, yeah. um, but long-term, the only thing that can come from authenticity is good. But the thing is, it's, it's easier said than done. There are a lot of people who authenticity may hurt in the short term because within authenticity, there's admitting mistakes. There's yeah. making rights from things that are, that were wrong. And unfortunately sure. that can hurt a lot of people. But long term, it's going to have a better benefit on you, on other people. Um, and I mean that in a personal sense. I mean it in a relationship sense and in a community sense. In any sense of the word, authenticity is going to breed growth in however you define that. I, I had this one point on here, but we kind of touched on it earlier. But I just wanted to, I just wanted to shout it out because I really, really, really um, love how this happens on your page. You have this thing called uh, Secret Saturdays. And what it is, it is basically all you ask is what's your secret. And people just submit all these things from, from all, all spectrums of, of, of life, just things that they haven't told anyone before, things they're ashamed of, sins, addictions, uh, just, just things that they, they, they feel that they're not sure if they, they are okay to feel or they're allowed to feel. And something that stuck out to me so much about it is it is first of how honest they are because there's a place to do it where, where they don't feel judged or like they're going to be preached at or whatever, but also how almost in for many of them in the exact same sentence as they share their secret, they express the, the shame and fear of what will happen if those around them, especially uh, members of their family or their church, found out, which, which we mentioned at the very beginning of the podcast, you don't want to be the person your goal is to have it where no one asks you any more questions or has to go to you for this stuff. And it's really sad that, that one of the biggest things for them is, is, the, is the fear of what would happen if the church found out about these, these things, which I've seen secrets people, people admit on that page that are very like just, just, just topical and like, oh, okay, that's, that's a thing. And some are really deep, but there hasn't been a single one where I've been like, oh, I bet no one else deals with that. And it's, it's crazy because I always, I like to say as people are reading them, like to, to try to put a face to it because, you know, yeah. like the, the funny thing is these people are sharing secrets that they'd never shared with anybody else. So it's yeah. so funny to read those ones that are really deep or really unique or mm -hmm. really kind of um, scary and think not in my church when right. yes, it probably yeah. 
is in your church. Like right. look, look around that person that you see that you barely talk to in church may have that struggle. And the second yep. you start seeing people like that is the second we start wanting those deeper relationships, you know, wanting those sorts of things. And I have to share one of the most incredible things happened a couple weeks ago. I think it was a couple times ago. I did it. One of the secrets that I shared, my, my whole thing is it's completely anonymous. P- yeah. People even say like, can I please talk to this person? And r- respectfully, I have to say no, because it's like, I, I don't ever want to pressure anybody into sharing who they are. But this one just kind of lined up beautifully. Um, we got uh, or I got a message that said, um, I'm going to be homeless and I don't know if I'm going to survive this time. I think I saw this one. I believe I did. I got hundreds of messages from people saying like, how can we help this person? And yeah. now with, with my rule, I'm like, I, I, I just can't. But what I found was, and I, I know the person would be okay sharing this. I looked and it was somebody who had, it was a non-personal Instagram as okay. is the, the best way to describe it. It didn't have any indication of who it was. It was just an account. So I messaged the person and I said, hey, people are wanting to know how they can help you. Do you have any way they can get in touch that still respects your anonymity with this? And she sent back, she has, she had an email that didn't have her name attached to it that she said, you can send us this and and they can PayPal me. So I decided to post it publicly and um, to kind of make a long story short, she ended up getting about, I think, $1,500 from people, which was incredible. That's so great. what people didn't see, and I and she shared this, but I never know who sees it and, and who doesn't because I posted mm-hmm. it. The thing she said was more serious than we realized because she was planning to commit suicide because she was about to be evicted. And when she got evicted, she didn't know where she was going to go and she was planning to commit suicide. So she mm-hmm. said, because I got that money, because I could make that payment, she said, um, she was able to pay for a lot of things, but this is where I, I don't want to give myself or my page or anybody too much credit. She was yeah. able to pay, you know, her car payment, her, her phone bill, you know, all of those things that she wasn't going to be able to pay. But she said, I still don't have a place to stay. She said, because of that, she kind of put herself out there. And this woman said, Hey, I want you to come live with me. Wow. Uh, and it happened the day before she was about to get evicted. Yeah. And um, she goes, that night was the night that I planned to be my last. And because I shared that secret, it snowballed into saving my life. And to see that, like, that's a very serious thing that is probably not relatable to the average person, but you sure. can put that into any secret or any struggle you have. Putting it out there can snowball into saving your life. And that can mean in many more ways than just what you, the, the original, just save your life, literally. Yep. Knowing how many individual people kind of are behind that money in solidarity and coming to help a person. It's the people behind that. I think almost and most people more. only gave a dollar. Wow. That's, that's a lot of people that contributed. And it's so cool because every person gave a dollar, they saved a life like, yep. and they didn't even know this no. person. And, and she also said the amazing thing she shared with me, she goes, because it, it was her email was the, um, the the way to get in touch with her. She goes, I got a lot of encouraging emails from people. Not one single person said, what did you do to get in this situation? You know, are you a drug addict? Where is my money going? People didn't question. They saw somebody hurting and they sent money. And what a beautiful thing and a, a beautiful yeah. Christ-like example that is. That is so cool. Okay, so I, I was going to ask what you're most proud of, but I think you've kind of answered that and what your hopes and aspirations are. You've kind of answered that too. Is there anything else you want to add to that or you think you've answered that question? Just, I mean, the, the, the goal of this is, is I, I don't want my page to be what it is at face value, which is like, oh, it's some stories and, and, you know, it, it can look, it's very encouraging, but 
but I, my goal is for it to take the online offline. Like I yeah. want people to take this into their lives. And that's mm. why like, I'm, I'm really proud of, of all those things that have happened, but I don't know probably 95% of the things that have happened because people just don't share it with me. They don't think to tell me because I'm anonymous. It's the rose and the thorn of yeah. being anonymous is, is this is just a nobody. Why do I have to tell whoever's running this page? But, you know, people have gotten married who have met on my page. People have, um, you know, been in long-term relationships, found friendships, found churches, you know, um, found therapists, like gotten out of abusive, um, people have gotten out of domestic abuse situations because of the yeah. advice they've seen. And when you take all of that, it's it's amazing, but I want people to see that as an encouragement for them to put themselves out there, whether it's their opinion, whether it's, you know, just whatever it is, it's that it's seeing what can come out of being authentic. And I never want to look, um, you know, full of myself and sharing those stories because the, the Christian world has this awful impression where pastors just want to put that out there, be like, look at how good I am. Look at how good all the good we're doing. And that's why I struggle to share a lot of those things a lot. But also it's important because it shows that whoever is listening to this, if you personally can be authentic and Christ-like in your own life, the effects that that can have and the snowball effect that they can have is bigger Monumental. than you ever imagine. That's absolutely, that's so true. And, and that's, that's why I wanted you on this podcast, this episode, because that's the through line of so much of what I wanted to people to know. That's what all your, what so much of your work does on the, on the page is for. So that's, that's incredible. Um, and la last question. So the podcast and my book are all about crumpled papers, this idea of ideas or beliefs that we may have at one time believed with full certainty, but at some point have realized we needed to reevaluate our perspective on. Can you bring to mind one or, or a few crumpled papers of your own that you have ever had to work through in regards to your views or perception of Christianity, church, God, faith, etc.? Yeah, I, I, I'm going to say something more general because I, I don't think it's as effective to put it towards a certain group. Sure. I think the thing that I had to, to stop doing that I thought was okay for the longest time was having a line of us and them. A lot of the interpretations of the Bible that um, I don't even think they were given to me. I think it was just what I had in my own head was that those commandments and everything in the Bible is we need to point at those people and tell them that what they're doing is wrong and they're wrong and they're going yeah. to hell and, and whatever. It was an us versus them mentality when it's so amazing because as you read the Bible, all those commands, like those commands are not for them. They're for us. Yep. They're telling us to be better people. They're, they're telling us to do that. And when I saw all that and you take that line away and stop seeing it as us and them and start seeing it as a community and start yep. seeing it as like, I just need to love these people and I don't have to fix them. That's for the Holy Spirit to do. I want to live my life in a way that people would come to me and say, what is it that you have that like, what is this Jesus thing? I don't want to force it on them. Like I should be living a life so authentically that people want to know about Christ. People are pulled in. That will never happen with an us versus them mentality. And yeah. that was the mentality I had for a long time for a lot of different people groups. And it was really detrimental to myself. Of course, it was det detrimental to them. Awful for them awful yeah. for myself too. And it's amazing that once that line came away, they feel loved and I feel loved. Like it, it, it's, it's amazing how much growth can come out. And so that was just something for me. I know people yeah. grow up in all different types of churches and maybe have that specific 
piece of theology that had to change for them. Oh, very sure, sure, absolutely. Yeah, like like infant baptism or abortion yeah. or s- something like that, where it, it yeah. changed for them. But for me, it was just more of that general, like I had to get rid of that line. That was the thing I had to crumple up and throw away of nowhere does it say that there's a line. Jesus didn't say us versus them. Jesus said us. He he said it was us and he gave no ifs, ends, or buts. He just said, yeah. we need to love everyone. And unfortunately, people um, don't, everyone has a different interpretation of what the word love means. And that's where- yeah things get sticky is what is love and what is showing people love. Cause for some people, love is correction. But for, for me, what I've found is love. You just need to take at the most basic level of like, love is making somebody feel loved. Yeah. That that's fantastic. And, and that, that's also a, a, a little teaser of some other chapters I'll be talking about in the book. Cause that, that's a theme that I, that I touch on a lot. Anyway, this has been a fantastic conversation. Thank you for joining me. What, what do I call you? Do I call you CWCS owner? Do I call you CWCS? I go I by you? Mike. Mike is kind Mike. of a code name that I use. I didn't for know all that. Time. Okay. Yeah. Mike. Dude, Mike, Mike is not my real name, but it's the okay. code name I use for all yeah. these types. <laughs> Mike, thank you so much for joining me. Guys, if you are interested in joining and going to check out CWCS, Christians Who Curse Sometimes, check them out on Instagram at Christians Who Curse Sometimes. Uh, any, anything else you want to shout out where they can find you? Or is that the primary avenue? No, just to encourage people to check out your book. Like I said, I'm, I, I yeah, think of course. There's, yeah. there's, well, I, I, I want to give credit where credit is due. Like I said, at the beginning of this, there's a lot of people who I, I think when they do something like you've done with, it's a huge deal to write a book, launch a podcast, work in filmmaking, whatever you do, um, people can get an entitlement and sure. you're, you're somebody who's willing to put yourself out there and try to find the people that this is going to help the most. And that's a unique trait and a unique gift. And I think that needs to be um, shown. And I know that that's shown in your book. So um, if people haven't read it, I'm, I'm sure that it's full of that kind of wisdom and um, you know, you, you have a lot that you can teach people. And I think that that's an awesome thing. That means so much. Thank you so much. It's been a great conversation and uh, thanks for joining Thanks for hanging with us on this episode of the Crumpled Papers podcast. The episode may be over, but the conversation's just getting started. If you have any questions or comments, or just want to say hi, send us an email at crumpledpaperspodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And make sure to follow us on social media to stay up to date with all things Crumpled Papers. All links are in the description. This is Austin, and I'll see you next time on the Crumpled Papers podcast.